Chapter 23 of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter 23. Read over a soldier's shoulder. To Lieutenant James Pendleton. Engineers. Nine-pound boy. Mother doing well. Congratulations. John Pendleton. From Mrs. Thomas Chilton. My dear Jimmy, the last two days have been so full and so exciting that I am not at all sure that I can compose myself sufficiently to write a satisfactory letter. But while your uncle cabled you yesterday, the cable service is slow and uncertain, and even if you receive his message promptly, you will, of course, be eager for details. My dear Jimmy, you are the father of a splendid little son. As you know, I am not a person of prejudices, nor one whose judgment is swayed by her emotions, but I can frankly say that I have never seen such a young infant who impressed me as so truly remarkable. From the top of his head to the tips of his toes he is every inch a Harrington. Indeed, it is quite thrilling to recognize the family features, one after another, in his latest descendant. His broad forehead suggests my grandfather Harrington, and his chin has a firmness which reminds me strongly of my dear father. Our dear Pollyanna is an ideal patient, and so blissfully happy that it brings the tears to my eyes just to look at her. And I must tell you, my dear nephew, of still another reason you have for being proud of your wife. The local Red Cross has been nourishing a viper in its bosom in the shape of a woman calling herself Mrs. Newman, a newcomer in the town. She appeared intensely interested in the work, and when she offered to write the notes to accompany the comfort kits which were to be distributed to soldiers going overseas, her offer was gladly accepted. But thanks to Pollyanna, it was discovered that instead of containing kindly messages, these notes were indeed the product of a poisoned pen, the emanations of a heart filled with treachery and cruelty. It will always be a matter of regret to me that owing to Pollyanna's sudden illness and the consequent distraction of our thoughts, the monster escaped. It is supposed that a thoughtless remark let drop by the grocer's delivery boy, who had driven Pollyanna to the express office, warned the Newman woman that her crime had been discovered. She left town on the midnight train that same night, taking with her only such belongings as could be carried as hand luggage. As she rented the house furnished, that only meant the abandonment of a few articles of clothing. Temporarily she has eluded justice, but I hope and pray it may yet overtake her. The box containing the kits was already at the express office, but, thanks to Pollyanna, did not leave town. After the baby's arrival, your Aunt Ruth and I opened the box, destroyed the letters of that obnoxious woman, and wrote others to take their place. We were busy until past two o'clock last night, after getting practically no sleep the night before. If my handwriting is at times almost illegible, you will understand why. We think of you constantly, and your name is on our lips a hundred times a day. That this terrible war may soon end, and you be restored safely to those to whom you mean so much, is the fervent prayer of your devoted aunt, Polly H. Chilton. P.S. I have just taken a peep at your son. He is asleep, of course, but something in his placid expression reminded me strongly of my great-uncle David Harrington. From Mrs. Timothy Durgan Mr. Jimmy, dear sir, please excuse the liberty, for Timothy says I should say lieutenant, 
but even if you get to be a general, you will be Mr. Jimmy to me, and I am writing to say that you have the nicest baby that anybody could ask. I have seen a great many, for my mother had eleven, and large families was always the rule with our folks. But I must say that I've never seen such a baby as this one, and he is the living image of Mrs. Pollyanna. Bless her dear heart, the same forehead and the mouth and chin and everything, and I believe he is going to be just such another little angel. We are doing like you said, Mr. Jimmy, and looking after them the best we know how. Timothy is worried, because I do not call you Lieutenant Pendleton, but if I did I should feel as if you was a stranger and I could not write at all. Timothy and I send our best respects. Yours truly, Nancy Durgan. From James W. Carew, author. Dear old man, you're surely one of the lucky ones. When you sailed for France, your lot seemed to me so enviable that I could have hated you if I hadn't liked you so well. And now you're the father of a son who, according to reports from Uncle John and Aunt Ruth, is simply the prize baby bound to win the blue ribbon in any competition. It seems almost presumptuous to talk to a fellow in the service and doing the real things of my superficial work, but I manage to keep occupied. All the writing I am doing at present is designed to help along the only thing that matters now, the winning of the war. And quite to my astonishment I have discovered that I can make a speech. I was roped into that work during the last Liberty loan drive when some speaker disappointed the committee. Though I had had no preparation, I did well enough so that they asked me to speak again. Since then I have been working hard at speech-making and making more of a hit than I would have dreamed possible. I am enclosing a typewritten copy of my song, which seems to be taking well, and, as Pollyanna would say, I am glad. It's not highbrow stuff, you see, but apparently it has the punch. The music is by Dixon, the composer of The Morning Glory Girl, you know, and other popular successes. There's a swing to it that delights me. What I want is to have the boys in khaki singing it. Then I'll feel that I've done something. Dear old chap, when you get back, just think what a reunion we'll have. You can tell us all about your battles, and I'll tell what may be worth telling about my work, and the girls will be so absorbed in the baby that neither of us will count one, two, three. Sadie joins me in sending love. God bless you, Jim. Your friend, J.W.C. From Mrs. James Pendleton. Jimmy dearest, today is an important anniversary. Our son is having a birthday. He is just a week old, and our nurse, who is a combination of a perfect angel and a terrible tyrant, has said that I can write you a letter piecemeal. That is ridiculous, because I feel strong enough to write a dictionary, and glad enough to write a poem, and thankful enough to write a book all filled with prayers. The little row of dots you will see every now and then in this letter are the places where I've had to stop and rest. Oh, she is coming now to take away my pencil, the heartless thing. Jimmy, he is perfectly wonderful. To begin with, he looks exactly like you. He even has that stern, resolute expression you had when you were a little boy. His forehead and chin are yours to the life. A baby's nose is always a baby's nose, but I can see that his is going to be straight and distinguished, like your own. And Jimmy, when he scowls, really he has the most violent temper for a child a week old. He is the image of you when you are cross. It's perfectly killing. Oh, dear! Here's that nurse again. I had a wonderful letter from Judith yesterday in answer to Aunt Polly's note telling her the news. Russell is in the service, you know, and Judith is up to her ears in war work. 
when I remember how aggrieved she used to feel over doing the housework in that tiny apartment, I can hardly believe she is the same Judith. This war, terrible as it is, has made many an irresponsible girl into a woman, and many a no-account boy into a man. Don't you think so? Of course, Judith is crazy to see the baby, and she thinks when the weather is warmer she will be able to come up for a week or two. I'm sure she'll be ready for a vacation at the pace she is going. It's time for our son to have his dinner. He is the greediest youngster. Jimmy, dearest, I sometimes think that if you were to walk into the room this minute, my heart would be so full of joy that it would stop short. Perhaps it is just as well that I should have time to get accustomed to this blessing before I have you both together. Oh, Jimmy, when I remember the forlorn little Pollyanna who came to this dear town, fatherless, motherless, almost friendless, and then realize how rich I am now, I have to struggle to keep from crying from sheer gladness. The baby has just been crying. He has such lungs. The nurse says that is a very good indication. Really, dear, it isn't, because I'm his mother, that I think him a most unusual child. Everyone says the same. Oh, my darlingest darling, how I long for the day to come when God will give you back to me, and you can see him for yourself, with my dearest love, Pollyanna. P.S. I shall call him James. There can be only one Jimmy in our family anyway, and I remember your saying years and years ago that you thought Jamie a sissy name. So, when I think of it, I address him as James, but it does seem a little more natural to say baby. End of chapter 23 Recording by Claire